I am grateful that we are here amid this summer sermon series on Psalm 23. It has so many resonant um, just uh, moments for each of us, depending on our many encounters with that text. Um, this summer, I've been leaning heavily on the Psalm translations by Robert Alter. Um, and so I'll read Psalm 23 from that today. He translated that in 2007. It sounds a little bit different than kind of our King James version that we maybe have by um, know by heart. Um, and then we're also using this little book of poetry called How to Love the World, Poems of Gratitude and Hope. Um, we are just leaning into um, all the ways that Psalm 23 helps us to love the world. So here is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In, grain, in grass pastures he makes me lie down. By quiet waters guides me. My life he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it is they that console me. You set out a table before me in the face of my foes. You moisten my head with oil, my cup overflows. Let but goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for many long days. And then today's poem is called In Praise of Darkness. It's by Francine Marie Tolf, who uh, makes her home in the woods and um, writes kind of with an ecological tone um, and makes her home in, in Minneapolis. So here is In Praise of Darkness. We touch one another with defter fingers at night. Rain sounds different, it's steadying, it's steady falling a remembered wisdom. What if the dark waters waiting to carry us home slept inside every one of us? We were loved before stars existed. We are older than light. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There may not be much that's easy about Psalm 23, verse 4. Those ancient words get recycled year after year, millennia after millennia, because we instinctively know something deep down about the valley of the shadow of death. On the most personal, intimate level, we come face to face in our own way with the unspoken, undisclosed, deep-seated experience of unending ache or ceaseless grief or relentless worry or boundless exhaustion. Part of what gives Psalm 23 its power is its acknowledgement that such valley exists. We cannot admit and accept this kind of reality except sideways through the poetry of the Psalms. 
a gift to us before we were born. When I hear Psalm 23 read aloud, all the valleys seem to intermingle, mine and yours, and the cavernous ones of those who have long succumbed to the press of mortality. And I see a collective ravine to a well-established earthy canyon that seems to dip and twist in ways as yet unexpected. Today, just three words encompass this Psalm 23 valley, Afghanistan, Haiti, Delta. How do we walk that way without fear? How do we let loose our grip on what keeps us up at night? How do we release our worry, abandon the butterflies in our bellies? How do we do what the psalm hopes? Fear none of it. There's a place in India called the Valley of Shadows. It is dwarfed by mile-high mountain peaks on either side, and from above, it just looks like a little crack in the sidewalk. Just step over it, Google Images seems to beg. But down in the Valley of Shadows, the walls extend straight up for 200 feet on either side, and in some places, you can touch both sides of the valley, left hand on one side, right hand on the other. You have to fly from Mumbai to get there, take a train, hop in a Jeep, spend the night in this little adjacent village where tourists, at least tourists in some other mythic non-COVID time, congregate to begin their hike to the valley. In the rainy season, you can't really walk through the Valley of Shadows. It becomes an impassable river. Uh, the possibility of falling boulders destabilizes the sides of the valley with the constant rain. So if you go, Go in October or November. You can hike the mile-long valley in less than five hours with minimal cave crawling, really, just a little bit of rappelling and a short length of rope ladder to get you across. There's just one way in and one way out, and almost no plants grow in the Valley of Shadows. It's almost always in the shadow. The sun at high noon might peek momentarily in, but otherwise it's shrouded in darkness. Mosquitoes breed in that little pool of water that snakes down below, and snakes breed there too, I guess. But no other animals to speak of, just you and the valley. Of course, there are stunning photos from the vista at the end. People want to posed triumphantly, arms akimbo or raised in celebration. They made it to the end of the valley. They cleared the path. They completed the hike. There is color and sunlight and beauty. But what about those photos from mid-hike? As the name suggests, it's a valley of shadows, so the colors are muted, earth tones muffled, hikers weary. Boulders, not entirely unsurmountable, but sizable nonetheless. And the view is dampened by the valley walls. You can hardly take a photo mid-hike without the steep valley walls in the background. 
a reminder that there's no way out but through. And maybe we're the same about our own valleys. We want to tell the end of the story. We want to share that photo with the triumphant pose, arms raised in celebration. The photos mid-valley aren't as picturesque, and the stories mid-valley are harder to tell. How do you put into words the part of the valley where your pain is so great as a poet says, you can't think about or pay attention to anything but your own pain. The rest of the world and all other life don't matter. In that kind of valley, we walk between mountains and mountains that look older than memory, but we can't enjoy the view. There is no view to speak of in the valley. Only boulder and high walls and obstacle. Now, from above, the valley of shadow disappears. The crack in the landscape seems minuscule. If you were hiking up to it, you might not even know it was coming. You, you might not know it was ahead. So for those of us outside the valley, it's hard to imagine what life is like 200 feet below. I'm not in Haiti this morning. I'm not in Kabul. I'm not in the emergency room or... Uh, at a hospital in Florida where they will see 15,000 COVID hospitalizations today. I'm not in those valleys. And yet, if we press our ear to the gospel, if we draw near to Jesus, we will hear an echo of Psalm 23 reverberating and giving us a way through how we might be people in the valley who are there to help. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus recapitulates the formidable danger and real-life peril of the, of the valley when he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. We get just one little verse of context in the parable of the Good Samaritan, but it says everything. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him for dead. Any first century listener would have known the Judean countryside between Jerusalem and Jericho is a steep valley with a harrowing public path. If you walk all day in the valley, you, you might find that there are good places for the bandits to hide along the way in those places of perpetual shadow. So the valley is not always some metaphor when you're on foot without cell signal in the ancient Near Eastern desert. We should have known that Jesus' parable would end with someone bravely enduring the many fears of, recur uh, of rescuing someone left for dead in an ancient valley. Everyone else turned away, even the ones who shouldn't have. The Good Samaritan stays in the valley, becomes an accompaniment, Rescue, transport, a way through. Jesus is intimately familiar with the Psalms. Jesus is opening us up to that valley of the shadow of death where we are invited to fear no evil. This is no view from the top or triumphant pose from the end. 
Psalm 23 and Jesus' subsequent evocative allegory mean relinquishing fear in the middle of the valley, knowing that there is no other way out, no sign of rescue, no elevator, no helicopter to ferry you up and out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. My constant companion in psalm study these days has been Robert Alter, and so of course he has new insights into these 17 words that we have, that we know by heart. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He translates it differently, no surprise, trying as much as possible to spotlight that terse thumbnail sketch of the Hebrew poet. He says that King James Version takes 17 words to translate eight and 20 syllables to translate just 11. Too wordy. Hebrew poetry rejects rambling and condenses endless hours in the valley into 11 straight syllables. So Robert Alters suggests we hear it this way. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm. His translator friend thought maybe he was trying too hard, annoyingly innovative, trying to abstain from any of those King James phrases that we know so well. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadows, I fear no harm. But he claims that he's trying to protect that concise cadence and cinched effect of Hebrew poetry that transports us to that stark place where sunlight ceases and life as we know it withers. This is Nike's just do it or Shakespeare's to be or not to be. Tight little phrases that only sound good in the original. It cannot be wordily translated into some language, though apparently Nike couldn't translate it, just do it into Chinese, and so they had to go with something akin to use sports to get their point across, or they just left the slogan untranslated. Some translators of Hebrew veer one step further, and instead of saying the shadow of death, they point to this more poetic reading of that phrase and say that it is the deep shadow and the deep darkness. And so that little translation tugs at these theological threads that have been woven through our faith and to me raise up this persistent Advent theme The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We get these themes interwoven. Psalm 23, the good shepherd, alongside the good Samaritan, and then back to our Christmas story with Isaiah saying that people walk in darkness and have seen a great light on those living in deep darkness, a light has dawned. We catch this glimmer of hope that light and darkness can oscillate, that valley and rescue might coexist. That's not to say that there's gift in the valley of shadow. There may be blessing and kinship and transcendence and glimmers of beauty and hope, but we should not confuse this with gift. One of you mentioned to me that the most important word for you in Psalm 23 is that word, through. That you trust again and again that the Lord, your shepherd, carries you through. 
I want to live there too with the word through. And the only way I can do it is to remember the word fear alongside it and remember that in every valley I must relinquish my fear and hand it over to our shepherd God. Maybe I can release my fear ultimately because I know that the Lord is my shepherd who does carry me through. Or maybe I can only make it through because I hand my fears over to God. My fear of harm, my fear of evil, my fear of pain, my fear of letting go. Today's poet, Francine Tolf, says, We touch one another with defter fingers at night, as if the valley itself accentuates that need for nimble-fingered attentiveness expert navigation, keen, resourceful expressions of love. We do not busy ourselves with unimportant things when we are in the valley of shadows. It is all survival and persistence and endurance. Even the hardest work on the cusp of death when we say thank you and I love you and goodbye. There is, it, there, there is its own kind of labor the labor of release, the labor of letting go. And it's all new. It's not something we've done before. So if Francine Marie Tolf is to help us to love the world again with her poetry, she can carry us along with her attentiveness. We need her remembering that in the valley, the rain sounds different. It's steady falling a remembered wisdom. And we need her wondering, what if the dark waters waiting to carry us home slept inside every one of us? So that we might connect our own watery depth here and now and thereby live differently today. Living that nimble-fingered attentiveness to love now. Abandoning what is unimportant becoming reattuned with our bodies and our families and our communities and our sense of serving God. And we need her, our poet, to point us to that longer view. We were loved before stars existed. We are older than light. She points us out beyond the valley to that night sky above. Maybe it's just a, sh a small sliver of starlight sky, but it can connect us to the infinite, to the ineffable, drawing us up and out in a way that welcomes the valley and the green pastures to coexist and overlap, such that we can affirm, even from the valley of shadow, that the Lord is my shepherd. You've been to the valley. You've been to the valley before, but you've not been to this valley. It's all new. And so it's time, again, to hand over all our fears to the Lord, our shepherd and guide, and trust that there is a way through to the infinite, ineffable, that we will be drawn up and out. Amen.